All right, everybody, sure good to see you. Hope you got one of the sheets in the back as you came in. Tonight we're going to talk about the right and wrong way of studying the Bible. Uh, and I don't think for most of you I have to explain that too much. You know that in the scriptures we continually read of those who would have been considered in that day great Bible students, uh, those who spent uh, even a lifetime in studying, like the Pharisees and uh, the scribes. Uh, and yet Jesus continued to over and over again say to them, haven't you read? <laughs> and things like that. And of course, they had read that text, but it never, it never clicked. They never really understood it because of a number of ways that they went about studying that ruined their ability to see everything that God wanted them to see in the text. So we're going to make a stab at that tonight. We won't cover, be able to cover everything, but we're going to make a pretty good, pretty good stab at being able to take a look at what the Bible says is the right and wrong way to study. And the danger of studying incorrectly uh, is, uh, is one of those things that will just leave you without salvation. Uh, Paul even said concerning the Jews in Romans chapter 10, I bear, them, uh, I bear them record that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. You imagine the response of a Jew if you said you don't have any knowledge of the Scriptures. <laughs> what? What do you think I do every day? <laughs> I quote it all the time. Exactly. I go to the morning wall. I do this and that. You know, what are you, what are you talking about? So, yeah, it would, it would be quite a, quite a bit of challenge. So open your Bibles. We're going to start with this first text. I'm going to let you see the things. I'll give you just a minute or two to take a look at the text and, uh, and come up with some answers, and we'll talk about it. Matthew chapter 13, you'll recognize this text when, about when Jesus gives uh, the parable, the sower. What I want you to do, though, is I want you to primarily look at Jesus' explanation after the giving of the parable. So I'm looking, kind of making a big assumption here that you at least know the parable itself. But, uh, but look, uh, beginning chapter 13, verse 10. We'll go ahead and read it together, and then I'll give you a second to, uh, to take a look and, and, make, a, and some, make some evaluations. And what you're looking for are some conclusions on why some understood the Bible and some did not. Has that ever been a, a, a question you've had in your mind? I, I think it's crossed all our minds. You're like, it's right there. Why don't you understand it? You know? And yet, that has been something that is from Old to New Testament, you see. So Jesus is going to answer some of those things. Verse 10, Then the disciples came, came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered them, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For to the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, You will indeed hear, but never understand. 
and you will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people longed to see what you see, and did not see it and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. All right, just notice a couple of verses now in his further explanation. In verse 19, he says, When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. And look at verse 23. As for what is sown on good soil, this is, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, another a sixty, another thirty. So you notice how many times, you might have seen how many times that word understand is used, whether understanding or not understanding. So take a minute or two and take a look at the text again. See if you can jot down some conclusions as to why some understood and some did not. Okay? Okay, uh, probably look at it a lot longer, but uh, let's just uh, start there. With what's, uh, what's some of the conclusions that you came up with uh, when you read this? What are some of the reasons people didn't understand and some of the reasons people did understand? Yeah, Wayne. Yeah, good. Yeah, uh, the, he then indicates that the people, many of the prophets and people of old would have just died to know what they are able to know. Um, but uh, this generation seems not to have, have that, okay? So, and, and there's something wrong with their heart. But what would you, I mean, maybe, maybe you could add to that. What would you describe that's wrong with their heart? Okay. Good. Yeah, good. So, so I think you, you said the operative word there, desire. Uh, there is a lack of desire. It's not that there's something wrong with their brain. <laughs> it's not that it's not functioning well and it needs, they need to go to a doctor or something like that. They don't have a strong desire uh, to want to understand those things. Okay, good. Uh, anybody add to that now? What else might you say? Yeah, good. What what actually causes? Ken's brought up a really good point. What actually causes a lack of desire? It's not that an individual has no desire or desires at all. It's that there's something else in their desire cue. <laughs> They've got something else that they desire and have learned to desire more than God's Word. Uh, 
That's a pretty simple answer. And, and that is something that you and I have found many times, maybe when we have studied with people, and you might study with one person that just can't get enough, and you study with somebody else and teach all the same things, and they sit there and look at you and go, huh, <laughs> what? <laughs> you know, huh. <laughs> Interesting. I studied with one guy for a solid year. I, I should have asked it earlier. But after a year, I looked at him and I said, do you, I, 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 can I ask you a question? Do you really care about any of this? He said, no. Thank you for wasting a year of my life coming over here. The only reason he was doing because his wife was going, you're going to listen. <laughs> I want you to listen. <laughs> well, it's not going to do any good. He didn't want it. He didn't care. All right. Good. So obviously the opposite would be true too. Those who understood had more of a desire. They saw the value in it. Good. Anything? Uh, Alan, you said. Which, which comes out of the first. 15, you understand with their heart, which they okay. kind of yeah, yeah. They understand with the heart, so they don't just understand it on a surface level of the words. Good, good. There's, they, they really find uh, the value and importance in it. Uh, anybody uh, notice, and not since we didn't read the whole thing, but anybody notice here the transition of Jesus telling the parable, verses 1 through 9, and then the disciples came and asked him about the parables. And then you'll notice verse 11, he says, to you it's been given to know. What, what's, what's happening there? You, did you figure that out? Well, it makes that they're choosing who can know, but it, it sounds like, you know, we picked you out to know, and they are, we're not picking them. That's what it's <laughs> Yeah, so your first thought is, Jesus is going, I choose you to know all of them are left out, and uh, so that's their dumb problem, and you win the uh, $64,000 prize. You know, there you go. Good. So Brian brings up exactly what's happening. He's given this parable to thousands, multitudes he's given it to. And it, when you read the other accounts, you find out he actually gave five parables back to back that particular, uh, in that particular sermon. Imagine yourself listening to, you're wanting to go hear the, the man, he's, he's the guy, he's been healing, he's a great preacher, and you get to go hear him, and he tells five little stories. Couldn't have taken him long to tell them, frankly, you know, maybe 10 minutes. And he goes, there's your lesson for the day. And he turns and he walks. We know from the other, he walks into the house. And he sits and waits. And here come some disciples, a few. Apostles, maybe a few others. And they go in the house and say, we want to know. And he says, to you it's given to know. To them it's not. Why? You didn't have enough desire to come in the house and say, what did that mean? Now, does that give you a clue as to why he said, I, that's why I speak to them in parables? I remember when he was talking about the living water, and they said, they, they, asked, they asked Jesus, how, you know, about the living water, what is this? Yeah. 
Curiosity. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, good. So there's a curiosity there. There's something that urged them to want to know what he's talking about. Why, why is he now, why did he say then, I'm speaking to them in parables? This is why I speak to them in parables, so they're dull. What's that, what's that about? Getting them to think. Pardon? Getting them to think. Yeah, good. So he's, he's, he's kind of throwing the bait out there. And, and you, you, know, you tell a story and he turns and walks away. And somebody who really has a desire is going to turn around and go, man, I, I'm not sure what he was talking about, but knowing who was telling it, I need to go find out. And those are the ones it's given to know. What does that tell you about our desire? We better, it better be something where we pursue it and um, <laughs> it, it's just kind of interesting to watch people whether when I'm preaching or whether when I'm teaching or whether it's one-on-one -on -one or whatever it doesn't take long to figure out the difference between someone who can't stand it if they don't get it and are really just have this very powerful taste for more and the person who's like, huh, interesting story. That's nice. Let's go have lunch. <laughs> it's that kind of thing, wait. You know, you see a lot of people seem to want to know the real story, but they don't like the simplicity of it, like the power of the God of the salvation is the gospel. But they want a vision. They want this. Way it was intended to. It's supposed to be from faith to faith, a person and another person. Okay, so you, you bring up another good point, and that is, it isn't just sitting out there on the on the table just to just to pick up. It's not baby food that's all been mashed up and put in a little spoon, and and the Lord goes choo choo choo, open the you know, <laughs> and and here you go. There's some challenge to it. You have to work on it. You have to, you really have a challenge. Look, I want to move on here. So let's go over to Second Peter right quick, chapter three, verse fifteen through seventeen. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 15 through 7. Let's see if we can add one or two more things that you might see on how this text adds to a re reasons why some do not understand. Uh, so verse 15, 2 Peter 3. Peter says, And count the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as our beloved Paul also wrote to you, according to the wisdom given him, as he does in all his letters when he speaks in them of these matters. There are some things in them that are hard to understand, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction, as they do the other scriptures. You, therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, take care that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability. All right. So what are, what are some reasons here that we could add to why people often do not understand? The prejudice against the speaker. Say. So, I, this verse came up in the Bible study this morning. And, and the people there were saying, it's just Paul, one guy specifically, Paul was just really a very difficult person. <laughs> and, and you're going, no. 
The gospel is okay. all right, so, so that particular answer, Paul is just a real difficult person and writes just real difficult things. That answer is placing the blame where? That's, it's, it's placing it higher. It's placing it on God. That's exactly right. You just turned around and told God he hadn't got the slightest idea how to write something and deliver something that everybody can understand. That is not going to work out well for you when you see him on the, way of, on the day of judgment. That is just not going to work out well for you. It always reminds, it should remind us of when Moses gave his excuses and God went, who made your mouth? <laughs> well, same thing. Who made your ears? Who made your brain? I wrote so you can. Yes, there's some things hard, not impossible. Not impossible. In fact, who is the ones who are twisting it in the text? What's the words? What's, what's he say? Ignorant and unlearned. Okay. Uh, so you have those who are ignorant and unstable. Yeah, ignorant and unstable twist it. So the first thing is, there's an ignorance. Now, you study the Bible, and you do not pursue everything in it. You have a desire just to find the things that fit what you want to believe or what you want to follow, and you're going to end up with ignorance. And we're going to talk about more how you, we don't do that in a while. But, but that's going to do that. And then the unstable persons, uh, people. Unstable is just like they, remember in uh, Ephesians 4.14, he talked about those who are tossed by every wind of doctrine. You know, it's every little thing that came along. Ooh, that sounds like a good idea. Ooh, that sounds really good. And so they're just all over the place don't have stability. And therefore, notice what he tells the brethren to do in verse 17. What would be the operative word there that he uses? Or command. Take care. That's right. Take care. All right. Again, we, we make a huge mistake that if in our brains we have the idea that God is just going to make everything so simple that you're just going to read it the first time and voila, you're going to, it's going to be just as simple as reading Harry Potter. You've got it. Can you tell me a reason why God didn't do it that way? Tell me a couple of reasons why God didn't do it that way. Okay. How bad do you want this? That's right. How bad do you want this? What would be another reason why God didn't just lay it out like a simple children's story? You know, lots and lots of religions, including <laughs> a lot of the way I grew up and many of you grew up, where the Bible has been taken and synthesized into a bunch of questions and answers that you can carry around a little booklet. I got one. Yeah, I got one. That's right. I used to have one and I threw it away. Uh, so, yeah, uh, what's, that, what's that about? Well, just tell me the answers. Is that what God wants? Do you just know the answers? That's the silliest thing ever. And we'll find out why more in a minute. 
But if you had a book that was so simple that reading it was just like reading children's books, how long would you read it? You would get so bored with it that it would be like, like, like a lady said to Bernice and I one time, <laughs> we're talking about something, we was the first time call or visit with her, and, and she said, well, you know, I don't believe that. And, and Bernice said, well, uh, give me your Bible and I'll show you. She went, oh, I read that once and gave it to my daughter. <laughs> you're like, uh, wasn't a novel. <laughs> there was a little bit more to it than read it once and, <laughs> and give it on, you know. But that, that's just kind of thing it would be. And yet, many of us, Ken, me, whatever, we, we've studied it for 65 years. And I'm frustrated I haven't seen everything yet. I can't get enough of it. And that's just the nature of it. It really shows that this is the mind of God. You don't just sit down and go, voila. There is some just beautiful things. But anything beautiful and worthy takes effort to discover and enjoy. And that's what God has done here. It's so, so good. And, and I think Brian's point is so good because he's differentiated here between those who really, again, uh, want it badly and those who shrug their shoulders. Or remember the great text that Jesus gave in Luke 13, verse 24. He said, strive to enter into the straight gate. For many, I say to you, will seek to enter and not be able. The difference between casual seekers and strivers those who really want it. And that's what we see in the parable, and that's what we see uh, here. And, and you might just mention, did you just say something about it? Well, it, that's the way the Pharisees and Sanctuaries read the Old Testament, right on the surface. Yeah. But God wanted them to have it in their heart. That's right. He wanted to and they wanted to do, to do everything perfectly. <laughs> yeah, just, find, just find a rule and do it, and then that's all I've got. And they didn't satisfy yeah. and I'm not going to hell. Yeah, check. Uh, oh, well, and most importantly, I can exalt myself above everybody else. <laughs> That's the thing. Notice also in this text, by the way, somebody's twisting the Scripture and somebody's falling for it. Right? Yeah. So there you have another reason why people do not understand. Instead of pursuing it themselves, they listen to others who tell them what it means and then lay, uh, lay themselves in a position of trusting somebody else and allowing the scriptures to be twisted. Danny. One of the things there, I'm just learning this through what I'm doing right now. One of the things that they stress in education right now is they do a thing and some of them call it spark your learning. And they give you a problem, but they don't give you the answer. Okay. And they want you to struggle with that yeah. until they give you some answer clues if you need it. To where you will understand it. Good. Because when you do that, you grasp it. Right. If it's given to you, you get oh, God. You don't yeah. ever remember it. That's right. So in fact, who in the Bible taught that way? Jesus. <laughs> How many times did you see him? Just he'd throw lay something out, just ask a question and turn around and walk off. Work it out. You know, that's it, Chair. Yes, absolutely. That's what sticks with you. Rather than, as you said, somebody just told you the answer, the likelihood of whether you understand. You just shut down after that. 
yeah, you said, no, okay, good, it's whatever. <laughs> that, that's, that's exactly right. So that's, that's the problem that uh, is often seen there. All right, uh, go on over to Ephesians 3. Ephesians 3, and let's look at just the, the verses here, 3 through 5. Ephesians 3, 3 through 5. All right, Paul, uh, talking about the revelation made known to him as an apostle. And in Ephesians 3, verse 3, he says, How the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly. When you read this, you can perceive, or older versions, you can understand, my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. All right, uh, tell me a couple of things about uh, verses 3 through 5, about, un about uh, just uh, the understanding of Scripture. Okay, hadn't been revealed, this mystery referring to Christ and the fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecy hadn't been revealed in the Old Testament. Now it's being revealed. How did Paul say he revealed it? Pardon? How did he reveal it to us? How did he reveal it in the text? Get us out of it for a second. He wrote it down. <laughs> That's right. He wrote it down. Now, do we have what he wrote down? Yeah, we have what he wrote down. So he wrote it down, and then how is anybody going to get it? What are you going to read? I thought Peter said Paul's words were so hard. They were just some of them really, really difficult. And Paul says, well, if you read it, you, you can understand. Whose insight? My insight. My, you can understand what I understand. So you can get the same thing I have. Now, a uh, question I have on your, uh, on your sheet there is, have you ever struggled <laughs> to believe that you could understand the Bible? I think most of us have. I've struggled with uh, believing that I'm smart enough to actually read it and understand it. Now tell me, how did that affect your Bible study? How would that affect anybody's Bible study? You, you would stop short. You would end up neglecting the parts of the Bible that you determined you could not understand ahead of time. Because it's a mystery. Because it's just a mystery. <laughs> this is a revealed mystery, by the way. You know, this is, this is one of those things. Yeah, that's right. So uh, think about this. Which parts of the Bible have you found yourself avoiding? You, everybody here has just, you, one of the things you, you, you've never blinked about doing is diving right into the book of Revelation and saying, I've, I just can't wait to understand this. I'm going to, I'm going to really go for it. Uh, <laughs> and we could list some other books that would be in the same category. Some of it is, I don't think it's that important. Hmm. What are we just telling God when we say that? You didn't. You, Lord, you know, I know a little bit more than you. If I know Matthew and Acts, I pretty well got this. You know? <laughs> 
How about if I just study that a thousand times? <laughs> Something else. Danny. Well, this is a real problem still with folks that say, all things that we need to know is in the New Testament. We don't need to waste any time in the Old Testament. Yeah. If you just look at what's said in the first book of Mark, you've got to realize, you've got to know. Got to know. That's right. How many, how many times have we quoted, and you've heard it so many times, as soon as I start the first two words, you can complete it. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God is profitable for. Uh, how much of Scripture is all Scripture? That's Genesis to, to Revelation. That's all Scripture. And it is profitable to make the man of God equipped and thoroughly furnished to maturity. That's what it's equipped to do. To the extent I don't know all Scripture is to that extent I am not growing to maturity. So this is, this is an imperative. It's not a, well, I don't, you know, I, I think I can get by without doing that or something like that. That's just not so. You're going to go take a driver's license for the first time, and uh, you do as my uh, second son, my dumb second son did at that particular time, and decided he could probably pass it without reading the uh, driver's manual. And he flunked it twice. He finally said, you know, you ought to read that. <laughs> Yeah, well, it's the same thing. We're going to be tested on the day of judgment. We've got to be ready. You're going to pass the test or not. Uh, you need to know it. And the test isn't, you know, whether you can memorize something. It's whether you know him and you've applied it in your lives. This is a real, real easy and critical thing there. And uh, so, uh, like, second question there, how would believing that you can understand the Bible for yourself help your Bible study? How's that going to help it? If you really believe, you can understand any part of the Bible. You're going to dive right in, aren't you? Now, nothing's going to intimidate you. You're going to get in there, and you're going to work on it. And some of it, you're going to have to work harder than others. But you're going to get in there and do it. And the reason you are is because it came out of the mouth of God, and He asked you to do it. That's the reason you're going to do it. The other reason you're going to do it is you're about to marry Him. And he doesn't want anybody marrying him who doesn't know him. Even as you wouldn't want to marry somebody who doesn't know you. Pretty simple, isn't it? But see, those are things that have affected all of us. I can remember thinking some of those things. Well, that's just too hard for me. I just, I don't think I could do that. And you psych yourself out. And then transitioning to, wait a minute... God said I can understand it, and now pursuing it with a different effort. Like the, like the fish story, remember? When he was bored with it, and he, did, he, he couldn't see anything. And then he set his heart to with a will, and he began to see thing after thing after thing in the fish. Very important. The yeah. same is true if you go into reading it with or no. <laughs> There you go. Excellent. By the way, glad you brought that up. That is the reason when you study your Bible, it's always the good to study a Bible that you have not made notes in and made underlying if you want to see something new. Your tendency is to only see what you've already marked and think, ah, I've already done this. <laughs> so again, 
read the Bible once, you got it, right? I'm good. <laughs> no, not, not so. Start with blank pages. Look again. Look again. Remember your fish story. Look again. Very important. Let's go over to uh, uh, Matthew chapter 25. Look at another parable that can teach us something about this. Matthew chapter 25. You might remember the parable, the talents. Parable, the talents. All right, you, if you know the parable, I don't want to take the time to read the whole thing down for time, our time's sake. You remember that the parable of talents, one fellow is given five talents, one is given two, one is given one talent, and, and the master goes away and comes back to collect from his servants. And the five-talent fella, uh, he has gained five more. And the two-talent fella, hey, he's gained two more. And the one-talent fella, he took what he had and he buried it and gave the master back what he had given him. What I want you to concentrate on is specifically verses 24 and 25. He also who had received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. Now, here's the question. Why does the one talent man respond differently to the master's command than the five talent and two talent men? Why does he respond differently than they, than the previous two? What? Fear. fear. Why does he have fear? Because he thinks he knows the character of, the, of his master. His perception of the master, hmm, is it right or wrong? It's totally wrong. What can you note in the text that's wrong about his perception of the master? First, he's harsh and hard. What else? What kind of expectations does he think the master has? Pardon? Unrealistic. In what way? What, is he, what does he think? What, what, is the, what are the words there? We're reaping when I'm so. Have you ever heard anything so ridiculous in all your life? <laughs> Who? Reaped. Who walks out to a field that he never sowed and said, I can't believe this dumb field. How come it isn't producing grain? <laughs> In fact, did the master sow? He did. He gave him a talent. By the way, it, uh, one talent is a huge amount of money. It's a huge amount of money. It's not a small amount. And, and so he, he's not expecting what he didn't. So notice the perception. And that's why I asked that next question. Comment on how our understanding of God can affect how we read and how we respond to the Scriptures. Think of some things. How does our perception of God change how we read or respond to Scriptures? Good observation. If you have the wrong idea of God, 
then, you know, you're, you're like, whatever I do is not going to be good enough anyway. He's just that kind of God. And that's the way this guy was. Whatever I do is just not going to be. Well, it's funny that the five-talent guy and the two-talent guy didn't have that attitude. They risked. They took a risk knowing full well that if they did what they could do, God was a good master. He's not going to whack them because it didn't necessarily work out exactly the way maybe it could have or whatever. But the one talent man, he has a bad idea of God. Now, think about yourself or like I can think about this with myself or you think about with the Pharisees and how they looked at salvation. If you think that God is one of those gods who's just waiting there, you're on the edge of a cliff and he's stomping each of your fingers to see how long you can stay it, <laughs> still hanging on the cl cliff. And if you just mess up once, you know, you'll lose your soul. Think about how that caught, what that, what effect that has on your Bible study. Or if you read it just to not go to hell. Okay, same thing. Same thing. Y'all want to go to hell, so I'm going to do right. read it from that aspect. You, you want to comment on that, Allison? You don't want to. <laughs> I saw her smile real big. <laughs> we have the same smile on that one because I know what she's thinking. The same thing I'm thinking. It demoralizes you. It makes you feel like, why am I even trying? And I guarantee you, many, many, many have fallen away from the Lord because they just figured... What's the use? I'm a failure. Is that what the Lord is looking at here? Notice what the Lord calls him. What, is, what are the words the Lord uses? What's he calling? Verse 26. Calls him wicked and what? Slothful. Slothful. Lazy. You're just lazy. You're wicked and you're lazy. This guy found, I guarantee you, this guy wasn't sitting on the couch all day. He found things to do with his life. He just took the talent and buried it and figured, at least I'll give him back what he gave me. <laughs> well, that's not good enough. So there's a really important thing leading up to the fact that it is important in our study that we understand God before you think you understand what he's asking you to do. Always look to understand God more fully. Let's go over to John chapter 5, or excuse me, John chapter 6, verse 41. I don't think we're going to make it to John 5. But John, John 6 and verse 41 through 45 here. John 6, 41. Here you have Jesus telling the Pharisees that he is the bread of life. And when he tells them that, he says, I'm the bread that came down from heaven. And in verse 41, so the Jews grumbled about him because he said, I'm the bread that came down from heaven. They said, is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he now say, I've come down from heaven? Jesus answered them, do not grumble among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him and I will raise him up on the last day. <coughs> it is written in the prophets, and they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. All right, 
What do verse 40, verses 44 and 45 teach us about how we should approach understanding what God wants us to do when we read the Scriptures? What is God's goal when He asks us to read the Scriptures? Be drawn to Him. What's the importance of that? I almost see it kind of a picture of him sprinkling things along the path and mm-hmm. like we're seeing it along the way. And he's leading us somewhere. We don't know where that is. Okay. But he keeps it's our heart's attention and brings us towards him. Yeah, good. Good. So when when you think of being drawn to something, what's actually happening? Uh, uh, Evan has put it well. Can you think of it in a different way? What's actually happening? You're drawn to something. You're pursuing. You're pursuing. Yeah, but why are you pursuing? Yeah, he makes you. And what is God doing? God is like a man pursuing a woman. That's what he's like. In fact, later talked about husband-wife relationship. So he's, he's pursuing us by, what did he say? Everybody's going to hear and learn from the Father. You hear and learn from the Father. And what causes you to pursue him? All his commandments? All his laws? While you appreciate what he's doing with the laws and commandments, what is really causing you to pursue him? Sure. He never disappoints. The more you get to know him, the more you desire him. He's a a sure thing. (laughs) He's, as as Sherry said, he's he's not going to disappoint you. He's not going to fail you. You don't have to doubt. He's a sure thing. And if you will get to know him and learn about him, you can't help but want him and desire him unless you just don't want him because you have other things you want, obviously. But he is going to fulfill everything that you could not find someplace else. And he's drawing you, causing you. So you're reading the Bible differently. You're not reading it just to get a list of commands or, or the answers to issues or things like this. You're reading it really to get to know him. So we're going to do a little practice of that in the coming weeks, probably next week and stuff. Looking at text to see if you can see God in the text. To see what you see of God in the text rather than just seeing an answer. Okay? Great job tonight. Thank you. Uh, We'll try to take a look at John 5 also uh, next week uh, to take a look at a list of errors in Bible studies. You might take a look at that as well. Thank you very much.